Now when the Lord when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And so Jesus, wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. The Gospel of the Lord. seated. Now I have a little bit of a confession to make. Even though I'm not far away, I live in New Orleans, I don't often make it down here to Biloxi, and even less often have I come here to this beautiful cathedral. So when I was on my way over here, I had a little hard time uh, finding the place. So there were some kids playing on the side of the road, and I pulled over and asked them, can you tell me where the nativity, the cathedral of the nativity is? And they said, oh yeah, you go down this road, take a left and go there. I said, oh, okay, thank you. And they looked at me and he said, what are you going to do there? I said, well, I'm going to try and show people the way to heaven. And he looked at me and he said, you don't even know how to get to the church. How are you going to show people how to get to heaven? So tonight, if nothing else, I hope you get some time to spend in quiet reflection on your relationship with the Lord. It's my prayer that over these next couple of evenings that we have together that you'll have some time to reflect on that relationship and to ask the Lord, what is he calling you to do to go deeper with him? Now, each of my talks is going to discuss a different aspect of our relationship with the Lord. But you don't have to necessarily come to both of them to understand or to get something out of it. So if somebody isn't here tonight that you might think uh, should be here tomorrow night, invite them. I'll do my best, hopefully tomorrow night, to recap a little bit of what I shared tonight and then to go a little bit deeper tomorrow night. So spread the word, bring a friend, uh, and who knows, if you bring a friend, maybe we'll give you an extra prize or something. Now, I chose the theme for our mission this year, Falling in Love with the Lord. Because this is exactly what we're all called to do as Christians. As you heard me reference, for those who came to Mass uh, this weekend, in my homily, the Lord is already in love with each and every one of us. 
But the question is, are we in love with him? The Catechism tells us, the wonder of prayer is revealed beside the well, where we come seeking water. There, Christ comes to meet every human being. It is he who first seeks us and asks us for a drink. Jesus thirsts, and his asking arises from the depths of God's desire for us. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. That's a beautiful paragraph from our catechism. And it references what we just heard in the reading of the woman at the well. It is Jesus who first thirsts for us. The woman doesn't go to him and say, what are you doing here? Are you thirsty? Jesus sees her and encounters her first. And he says, I thirst. And it's not water for which he thirsts. Because Jesus could get water wherever he wants. He thirsts for her. He desires her love and her devotion. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we might thirst for him. God desires us to desire him as he desires us. So it's our prayer that is a response to God's desire for us. Our relationship with him is not something that comes about because we want it or we desire it, but rather our relationship with God comes about because God wants it first. And it's him who's constantly waiting for us and moving our hearts towards him. Even as we sit here right now, God is moving you and drawing you to his sacred heart. So it's my goal over these next couple of nights to give you a few things to think about and to take away as you seek to fall more deeply in love with him. I'll be speaking primarily of our relationship with God as a relationship of lovers. Because that's the goal of the Christian life. That we might fall in love with the Lord who already is in love with us, just like lovers. Now, if we were to go back and read the book of Samuel, we all know the story of Samuel in the temple with Eli, right? And God calls Samuel three times. He says, Samuel, Samuel, and he gets up and he runs to Eli. But we're told in Scripture, Samuel did not recognize the voice of the Lord because he did not yet know the Lord. Now think about that for a second. Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, so he couldn't recognize his voice. Infants come to know their parents' voices over time by hearing them over and over again. Friends come to know one another's voices over time by spending time with them, by hearing their voices over and over again. So, too, we come to know the voice of God over time by listening and hearing his voice over and over and over again. Now, how many of you in here, by a show of hands, 
have ever heard of the show Married at First Sight? I see some people a little ashamed to raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Just because you heard of it doesn't mean you actually watch it, right? I heard of it. I don't actually watch it. But I know about it because I spent some time at my parents' house, and apparently it's one of their guilty pleasures. So for those of you who don't know, the show Married at Sight is based on the premise that basically two people can come together and get married upon first sight. And then after about eight weeks of spending time together, they then have to choose to stay together or divorce. And we wonder why marriage is so undervalued in our society, right? Now, I hope this doesn't come as a shock to anyone here, but that's not exactly how marriage works. Married at first sight actually makes a mockery out of real relationships and marriage. Relationships don't just happen overnight. By a show of hands, for those of you who are married or have been married, how many of you actually just walked up to your spouse and said, hey, let's get hitched? Yeah, no one's hand should go up right now. Otherwise, you might need to talk to Father Colton over here. That's just not how things work. Relationships take time. They take effort and they take commitment. But what is key to any relationship is first and foremost communication. Communication is fundamental to building a relationship with another person. When you first meet your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you probably just started out by talking with them, right? In fact, many young people today uh, are hesitant to say that they're actually dating. They call it talking, right? I'm just talking to this girl or to that guy. Now, it might sound kind of silly to just call it talking, but there's a little truth to that statement. It recognizes that a relationship has not yet been built. Before any relationship can begin to blossom and to grow, the foundation has to be laid by talking, by communicating. Jesus, in our gospel with the Samaritan woman, spoke to her, and she spoke to him. They had a dialogue. They had conversation. And it wasn't until well into the conversation that she then began to thirst for the water that he had to offer. That's where prayer comes in. Prayer is communication with God, talking with God. St. John Damascene defines prayer as the raising of one's mind and heart to God or the requesting of good things from God. When we, when we begin to take notice that the Lord is calling us in our lives to him, when we begin to recognize then that we desire a relationship with him, then after some time of feeling this pull in our hearts, we begin to communicate with him through prayer. Now I'm going to go out on a limb and say that most of us, at least some of us, if not all of us, do not have the most fruitful prayer life that we would like. Right? Maybe we want to go deeper, but for whatever reason, we can't. Time and time again, I hear people complain, I don't feel God when I pray. I'm not sure God is listening. Or I get bored quickly in prayer. And then my mind wanders to different things. Or even some people will be honest and say, I just don't ever feel like praying. I'd like to, but whenever I'm about to try, I just decide not to. Well, first of all, you're here tonight, so that's a prayer in itself. See, there are many things that can affect our ability to pray 
and to have that relationship with the Lord that all of us would like to have. So I'm going to outline three things that I think could be an obstacle to the relationship with God that we would like to have. First, maybe we don't actually desire a relationship with the Lord. Now that might seem kind of harsh. I'm going to explain that in a second, what I mean by that. But maybe we don't actually desire a relationship with the Lord. Secondly, perhaps we have too high of expectations on that relationship with God. And then thirdly, perhaps we're cut off from going deeper with the Lord due to some sin in our lives. Let's deal with the first one first. We don't actually desire a relationship with the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Many of you might be thinking to yourselves, well, I do want a relationship with God, but I just can't seem to get there. If this is you, then I'd ask you the question, what are you actually doing to develop a relationship with the Lord? Is it that you're going to Mass and praying regularly and reading Scripture, maybe on a daily basis, and trying to live a life free from sin, but nothing is happening between you and God? Probably not. Or is it rather that you're not actually doing anything to develop that relationship beyond the bare minimum? That you're just kind of hoping that a relationship will develop? If the second description is the case for you, then I'm here to tell you that you don't actually desire that relationship with the Lord just yet. You like the idea of a relationship, but it hasn't yet risen to the level of true desire. Desiring something requires that we are motivated to work for it. Think about it this way. When I was growing up, I used to think that I really desired a Corvette. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to work to make the money to buy a Corvette or to pay for its insurance, right? So I like the idea of having a Corvette, but I don't truly desire a Corvette because I'm not going to work to achieve that goal. We work for the things we truly desire. Which means that if we're not willing to work for something, then we don't truly desire it with our whole heart. If we desire a relationship with Christ, then the question must be asked, what are we willing to do to work for it? Remember, relationships take time, they take effort, and they take commitment. Our relationship with God can be no different. We have to work at it. And guess what? Sometimes we might not always feel like it, but we have to do it anyway. We have to be disciplined and force it at times. In any relationship, there are times when couples don't necessarily feel like being around each other, right? But they work past their differences because they have a desire to see the relationship grow and blossom. There's a well-known theologian, Father Romano Guardini, who explains that prayer cannot be something that comes from simply our inner desire to do it. If we wait until we're longing to pray, then the chances are we're never actually going to pray. When was the last time you had this inner drive, this inner burning to go spend an hour in adoration or to, to pray, to pick up Scripture and read it? Father Guardini writes, this, this person would be like a person trying to base his or her life entirely on intuition and impressions, leaving aside order, discipline, and work. 
such a life would become self-indulgent, arbitrary, and fanciful. He goes on to say, anyone who takes his or her relationship to God seriously soon sees that prayer is not merely an expression of the inner life which will prevail on its own, but is also a service to be performed in faith and obedience. Thus it must be willed and practiced. A relationship with God requires that prayer be willed and practiced. Once again, relationships take time, effort, and commitment. Father Gardini goes on to say, In matters of prayer, we are only too apt to deceive ourselves because, generally speaking, people don't enjoy praying. Better to say openly, I don't wish to pray, than to make such excuses. Better not to resort to justifications, for instance, like tiredness, but to declare, I just do not feel like praying. It may sound horrible to us, but at least it's the truth which leaves the way open, whereas self-deception does not. My brothers and sisters, if we do not wish to pray, if we don't yet desire a relationship with God, truly desire it with our whole heart, then we have to be honest with ourselves because honesty is the first step towards building that relationship. As long as we try to convince ourselves that we do desire to pray, but we just have some problem going on in our lives, then we'll only end up blaming God or our own selves in the end. And we'll make excuses, like my mind doesn't work that way. I just can't focus enough when I pray. Prayer is boring. God doesn't speak to me in prayer. I don't get anything out of prayer. I'm too tired to pray. I'm too busy to pray. Excuse after excuse. As long as we continue to pass the buck and never face the truth, then we'll never grow. But once we stop and realize that desire necessitates action and motivation, therefore the lack of these two indicate a lack of desire, then we can pinpoint the root of the problem and begin to work past it. I don't feel like praying. I don't want to pray. Okay, well, so what? Do it anyway. I know that discipline is the only thing that will help me to move past this hiccup, and so I'm going to force myself to pray, even though I don't want to. It's not because I'm bored. It's not because I can't focus. I just don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it anyway. Because relationships take time, they take effort, and they take commitment. St. Paul exhorts us in Scripture, Rejoice in hope, endure in affliction, Persevere in prayer. Even when you don't feel like it, persevere in prayer. And again, Scripture reminds us, do not let love and fidelity forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and esteem before God and human beings. We're not always going to feel like praying, but that's okay. Recognize that you don't necessarily feel like praying and force yourself to do it anyway. It's the first step. The second group, if we do not feel that we have that best relationship with God that we would like, then perhaps we're placing too high of expectations on our relationship with him. Think about it. If two people are seeking a relationship and have unrealistic expectations for one another, then what's going to happen to that relationship? 
it's probably not going to go very far because one or the other is going to be sadly disappointed. Anybody here who's ever been married, if a wife expects her husband to listen intently to her at all times, how do you think that's going to play out? Not very good. Or vice versa, if men wish their wives to wait on them hand and foot without asking any questions, how do you think that's going to play out? Not very good. In order for any relationship to blossom, the couple must learn to have realistic expectations for the other. So too with God. If we think that God needs to always be there to respond affirmatively and immediately to our prayers and our requests, or if we think that prayer should always be satisfying and engaging, or if we think that we need to be spending hours and hours in prayer and praying several rosaries a day, then I guarantee you that we're probably going to be disappointed in our relationship with God. Chances are we're going to avoid prayer altogether because we expect too much of ourselves and of God. If we think that prayer means we're praying multiple rosaries a day and spending multiple hours in prayer a day, then we're probably going to say, well, I don't want to pray today because that's our idea of prayer. We've raised the bar too high. I like to say pray as you can, not as you can't. If you can't focus while praying a rosary, then maybe pick up the Bible. Read some scripture every now and then. If you don't have time to pray for hours in the day, then spend 10 or 15 minutes. Set aside time that works for you. We may not necessarily be praying like the great saints, but we have to start somewhere. Set your goals at an attainable level and stick to them. And after a period of time, raise the bar little by little. I guarantee you that you're going to find it easier after a while because the more you pray, even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes a day, then the more your relationship with God is going to grow. And the deeper that relationship grows, the more you're going to desire to pray. And then it's a self-fulfilling cycle. Set your goals in prayer at a doable level. And here's the kicker. Stick to them every day at the same time. Doing the same thing at the same time each day creates the habit. And that would be our second obstacle to that relationship with God that we desire, having too high of expectations. Our third obstacle centers around the need to cleanse our souls from sin. If we do not experience a relationship with the Lord that we would like, or if we're not praying as we would like, then I'd suggest that maybe we're cut off from the Lord due to some sin in our lives. And this one might be a little more difficult for people to stomach. I know many people who say to me, Father, I try to be a good person. I go to Mass on Sundays. I say my prayers every, every other day or so. But I don't feel like I have a deep relationship with God. So my next question is usually, well, when was the last time you've been to confession? Oh, Father, I don't go to confession. I don't believe that we have to confess to a priest. I'll just go straight to God. God forgives me. Okay, I get it. But are you sure? Are you willing to bet your life on that? Because that's exactly what you're doing. Betting your eternal life on an opinion. In my opinion, we don't need confession for forgiveness. It would essentially be like someone walking into a doctor's office after feeling horrible for a long time, and when the doctor tells them to take this prescription, they say, oh, no, I don't, I don't think I need that. I just need to eat healthier. I'll be fine. Okay, that's your opinion. 
But opinions don't always translate into facts. In any relationship, when one party commits an offense against another party, then the offender must go and apologize, must ask for forgiveness. And of course, the graver the offense, the more difficult it's going to be for the one who is offended to actually grant forgiveness. I know many marriages who have to undergo intense marital counseling due to infidelity in the relationship. Now imagine that. A third party is actually brought in to help heal the wounds in the relationship, namely in this case the marriage counselor. So too with God. The priest sits in the person of Christ in order not to just listen and say some advice, but to give forgiveness, real forgiveness. When we sin against God, especially when we commit mortal sins, then we are cut off from the, li- from the life of grace. No matter what we do, no matter how good of a person we might think we are, no matter how often we pray, when we're in a state of mortal sin, God's grace cannot reach us. It just can't. It's as simple as that. If you don't feel the Lord as you would like to, and you want to know why, ask yourself, when was the last time I went to confession? When Jesus appeared to his apostles after his crucifixion, he breathed on them, as Scripture tells us, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you retain are retained. Jesus gave the apostles the authority to forgive sins as he did. And those apostles passed on that authority with the laying on of hands and prayer from person to person, right down to the priests today. We have a direct link to Jesus himself in what we call apostolic succession. Essentially, that's a a fancy way of saying that the bishop who ordained me through laying on of hands in prayer had a bishop ordain him through laying on of hands in prayer, who had a bishop ordain him through laying on of hands in prayer, all the way back to Jesus. There's a physical link of laying on of hands in prayer that links the priest today to Christ himself. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather believe that Jesus, the physician of souls, can forgive through the priests than to trust my own opinions. Go to confession. Restore the lines of grace from God, and I guarantee you that your relationship with the Lord will begin to grow and mature as you'd like it to. And that's our third group, those who maybe need to go to confession. Now, my brothers and sisters, as you leave this evening and go back to your daily lives, I'd encourage you to try to remember some of the things that you heard today. Reflect on them. Ask yourself the question, do I desire the relationship with the Lord? And if so, what am I doing to actually achieve that goal? God is already deeply, deeply in love with each and every one of us, but he's waiting for us to begin to fall madly in love with him. As you begin to seek a deeper relationship, as you start out on this journey of falling in love with the Lord, it's imperative that you pray regularly, every day. Even if it's only for five or ten minutes, pray every day, even when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it. Be disciplined. Put forth the commitment. Take the time and the effort. You have to begin to come to know the Lord as Samuel did and as the woman at the well did if you ever wish to fall in love with him, because you can't love someone you don't know. Pray daily, and don't place too heavy of a burden on your prayer life. 
have realistic expectations. And finally, go to confession regularly. I would say at least once a month. If you're not doing all three of these things, then I can assure you that your relationship with God will never go beyond a simple fascination with the idea of falling in love with him. So your homework for tonight is to spend 10 or 15 minutes in quiet reflection. Try to focus on the Lord and on your relationship with him. Secondly, I'd encourage you to write down some words that describe your relationship with the Lord. Then write down some ideas that you have for prayer and some things you can do to try to grow in that relationship. And then here's the kicker. I want you to look at that list of ideas for prayer and pick one of them, right? Don't set the bar too high. Do something you can attain. That's why we're only going to pick one. And finally, prepare your conscience for confession. We'll offer confessions tonight following our mission and again tomorrow night. So if you're not ready to go tonight, I would encourage you to prepare yourself and maybe go tomorrow night. And if you're nervous about, you know, oh, I don't want to go to my priest. He might know me and remember me. Well, guess what? I'm here. You probably will never see me again. So you can unload. But it's imperative to take advantage of that confession. This last point is a must for your relationship. The ability to ask for forgiveness and to receive forgiveness is essential in any relationship, not just our relationship with the Lord. So as we leave tonight, my brothers and sisters... May we all begin to fall madly in love with our God, who so deeply thirsts for us.